Hello, everyone, and welcome to Opera After Dark, the Barakowski Experience. Barakowski, Kowski, Kowski. It sounds like something from like Harry Potter. Opera <gasps> After Dark and the Barakowski Experience. And the Barakowski Experience. <laughs> yes. But then you have to whisper it almost like it sounds like parcel tongue. You're a wizard, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> He truly is a wizard. I mean, he's funny. he's rather accomplished. Okay, so anybody that doesn't know, um, Barry Kosky is a director of opera, of theater and stage shows, musicals, anything you can think of. Super accomplished. He's from Australia. Right. Yeah. He's, Good day. He's done work uh, at many major opera companies. Right. And we mentioned this um last episode he uh most notably directed a production of carmen where at the end instead of don jose killing carmen carmen grabs his gun or knife or whatever and carmen kills don jose instead right right usually stuff that's like kind of groundbreaking or a little bit out there innovative (laughs) yeah certainly definitely interesting would be a way to to call it and not boring he usually like tries to push the boundaries of aesthetics or the right. expected norms in a lot of his productions. Right, which I was fortunate enough to witness firsthand, or at least the creation of, uh, when I was doing an internship with the Dutch National Opera. Right, so Kyle was in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. That, yep, that is correct. The Dutch National <laughs> Opera. <laughs> Is in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Actually, at the time, or at least the time that I was there, it was the Netherlands Opera, mm. Uh, mm. which I mean, basically, still is the Dutch Opera, the Netherlands right. Opera. So, so right. you were working there. How long were you there? A year? Nope, nope. It was just for a summer. Okay. Uh, this was while I was still in school. So uh, gotcha. I through a connection that I had with my university opera director, who used to work at the Dutch National Opera, Mm -hmm. I got this arts admin internship, uh, which was totally awesome. Like, I went and spent the summer in Amsterdam. I mean, it sounds incredible. Oh, yeah. Had a wonderful time. Their season ran a little bit later than uh, a lot of other seasons do, certainly in the States. Mm -hmm. So even though it was the summer, I still saw uh, multiple of their productions. They were doing uh, Meistersinger. That was the first time that I saw uh, Der Meistersinger von Nuremberg. That mm-hmm. was fantastic. It was a new production that was was really great. Uh, I also saw Death in Venice by Benjamin Britten, oh. which at the time was very uh, exploratory for me. Like I really hadn't. Mm-hmm. That was like the most modern opera I had seen. Well, at Death in Venice time. is weird it is weird but i was really into it like it was it was beautiful uh yeah i've actually i've never seen a production of it me neither people just don't do it in this country right it's def it's definitely a a good work i i would highly recommend it if you have the opportunity but yeah like you said you don't often get the opportunity uh Mm -hmm. also that was the first time that i saw the willie decker traviata production Oh, okay. uh, and I because like that production, yeah, too. because I was interning, I got to go. Actually, one of the performances, they gave me a headset to listen in uh, to the cues and all of the um, 
not the stage direction, but all of the cues throughout the the opera. Mm-hmm. And prior to the opera starting, I got to go out on the set and, you know, do that whole thing. Oh, cool. It was a fun thing. The, the Dutch opera, they took wonderful care of me. They were really mm-hmm. kind, and it was a great experience. And really, it solidified my launching into arts admin as my career. So it was all, nice. it was all very nice. I feel indebted to the Dutch opera. And uh, they introduced you to... America. <laughs> right. In such a minor way. So I was, this was in the, the summer of 2013, uh, was when I was working at, at the opera, and they were preparing for a Berikowski production of Armida by Gluck. Mm-hmm. Naomi, could you give us just like a, the briefest of summaries about this opera? Right. So Christoph Willibald Gluck was basically a, like a precursor to Mozart. So he's mm-hmm. kind of like bridges the end of the Baroque period and the classical period. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of ideas about like reforming opera so that it wasn't so much about like Baroque in, uh, ornamentation and kind of vocal fireworks. He wanted to make it a little bit more driven by the story and make the dramatic impulses a little bit more clear. And so he did a lot of things to kind of push the art form in different in ways that were very different for the time and the opera Armida is based on um this source material that actually a lot of different operas drew inspiration from at the time by a man named um I'm, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong but Torcato Tasso and it's Jerusalem Delivered and so Monteverdi has some operas and works based on Tasso's uh, writing. He was very influential. And then not only did Gluck write an opera on Armida, but actually he lifted the whole libretto from Jean-Baptiste Lully's version of Armida. Oh, wow. And so the libretto is actually exactly the same between the two operas nice uh, but the music <laughs> is good. entirely different and he did cut a little look cut some scenes but he didn't actually change the dialogue of anything that remained and so th- and this was actually done pretty regularly in the early days of opera where if a particular story or a libretto worked well it got reused a lot and just kind of tweaked here and there to fit the new composer's uh ideas but it was actually not that scandalous or innovative to use a pre-existing libretto at the time and so yeah and and actually the roles and the voice types are the same as luli as well Mm -hmm. so he followed a formula let's say Mm -hmm. so what is the basic plot of armida the basic plot of armida is that there is this sorceress named armida who has special powers Mm -hmm. and um, it's set during the crusade, and she basically ensnares this knight with her magic spells. And at the moment that she tries to kill him, she finds herself unable to do so because she's falling in love with him. And so she then casts a spell on him to force him to return the affection. Nice. And Solid. then she brings him back to her castle or her magic island or wherever it is that she is living and then 
she basically is unsatisfied with this love because she knows that it's only there because he's enchanted or mm-hmm. that he's under her spell. She knows it's not like a willing thing that he's um, agreed to or that he's fallen in love of his own volition. And so this starts to bother her more and more. And she then calls on the goddess of hate to restore her hatred for this night. Um, but she still, despite doing all of this, she can't escape the feeling of love for him. And so the goddess of hate uh, condemns Armida for this inability to not love mm-hmm. this Christian knight. And so Armida decides that she's going to return the knight back to the rest of his men, like to kind of let him go and live his life. And it's during this time or sorry before she can do this she plans to do this but before she can do it his fellow soldiers or fellow knights find him and they take him away from her breaking the spell and he manages to escape and he leaves armida basically in like a fit of rage in despair and hopeless because her love has been taken away and he's left uh he's left kind of willingly abandoning her instead of willingly staying with her Mm -hmm. out of some kind of choice of love. So she's left in despair at the end. Okay. Armida. That's right. Armida. What All a right, nice so. summary. That's fantastic. So yeah, thank you. with that in mind, and we've said at the top of the episode that Barry Kosky is known for taking operas and doing these productions that are really out there, really pushing the envelope. So, of course, in his production that he was putting together for the Dutch National Opera, he did just that. And I'll get into that a little bit more in just a minute. But one, another key factor, another thing that, was, that helped make this experience happen was the fact that Barry Kosky himself is Australian. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, so one of the, the reasons that I was able to do this internship in Amsterdam is because 95% of Dutch citizens are fluent in English. So pretty Mm -hmm. much everybody there speaks English. And actually in the context of the opera, that's English ends up being the common language because you have like Italian singers, German singers, French singers uh, that come in and the language that everybody knows is English. So that's how it was able to work. That being said, I was involved with other production meetings while I was there that would have like a Dutch director and then everybody on the team that worked for the opera was Dutch. So they'd speak in Dutch. So I would sit there picking up like every fourth or fifth word, (laughs) not really knowing what was going on, but still getting an idea for what the process was. And then like Mm -hmm. somebody would fill me in later on. But with uh, Barry Kosky coming in as an Australian director the production meetings were all in English. And then, more importantly, the the part that the whole experience came out of was the supernumerary auditions, which were entirely in English. Okay. Mm-hmm. And would either one of you care to explain what a supernumerary is in an opera? Uh, so it's sort of like an extra in a movie. They're not the chorus because they don't actually sing. Right. Um, they're just sort of there is extra right. <laughs> yeah. bodies on the stage like um 
They're like extra actors. Like extra actors. Like uh, they usually play like guardsmen. A lot of um, like Contributore, the Anvil Chorus, the like the men who are standing there with no shirts on who are like forging the anvils who are not singing. That would be a supernumerary. Right. Basically like an extra. Right. Yeah. And like if ever you have armies or soldiers. Right. Where there's like a huge army on stage, like over half of them are probably supernumeraries. Yeah. They're actors that don't. Don't sing. Don't sing. Exactly. In the, in the opera. Another perfect example is Aida, where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you see this like giant ensemble on stage, and some of them are singing and some of them are not. And some somehow, yes. by some miracle, the ones that are not are like super ripped. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Those. They to be like magically hot. Yes. Right, are the supernumeraries. Well, in any mm. case, for this production of Armida, Barry Kosky was in deep, deep need for a very specific kind of supernumerary. And what, so. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't really tell you, to be honest, but I can tell you about the process about how he arrived at which ones he was going to use. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, being that all of this was happening in English, I was able to have a, a more hands-on uh, approach, mainly just in helping facilitate this, like checking people in, all of that boring stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I got to sat, sit in the room uh, while these auditions were taking place. So, uh, to set the scene, we're in like a big rehearsal room. So, you know, the two of you are familiar with the rehearsal rooms down beneath the Met. Like, think mm-hmm. of one of those yeah. rooms, nice and big. If anybody has been in, like, a, a ballet dance studio, you know, big open room, wooden floors, mirrors on the walls, that whole thing. And there's probably, like, I don't know, 70 or 80 supers that are here to do the audition. And for them... How many were they taking? Uh, Doesn't matter. That's a good question. A significantly smaller portion. Okay. Um, but right. it'll become a little bit clearer. So the, the intent is, like, the process of this audition is they are culling it down to the perfect group of supernumeraries. Right. Exactly. And or whatever it is that he's looking for. Exactly. And bear in mind that these people, like, this is their job. Like, they're actors. Right. They are, some of them are models. Some of them, like, this is, they're auditioning for a job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, basically, we start. Everybody's in the room. Uh, everybody lines up against one side of the room. And Barry Kosky looks at them and he says, all right, first, what I'm going to need everybody to do is walk across the room, Uh, preferably at a slower pace, but not too slow. But I just need to get an idea of you walking across the room. And so one by one, every single person... walks across the room and we're all and we're all just sitting there and watching and the funny thing is is like like i said these are actors these are people that are trying to earn a job so like they're they're not just gonna like just walk i mean some people did right but it was Mm -hmm. so amusing to watch like how people would decide what their character was gonna be in their walk (laughs) like how they were going to walk because right, also right. I feel like you don't want to do the same thing that the person did just before you. No, of course. You got to see it out. So so many different ways to to walk across the room. It was that was quite entertaining. Okay, so everybody walks across the room and then there's like a, a little huddle between Barry and, you know, some of the the people on staff. Mm-hmm. And then they s- separate out essentially half of the people that are there and auditioning. And say, okay, thank you. You can leave. 
And so based off of how they walked across the room, there was a dramatic cut. Half of the people were dismissed. Sorry, you you don't walk correctly. You're not going to get this job. Ouch. Mm -hmm. I know. It was crazy. And then it got really interesting because after the first round, the second round was, okay, everybody, line up on this side of the room. Now I would like you to walk across the room screaming at the top of your lungs. <laughs> <laughs> one by which, one or like uh, all together? One by one. Oh, which is so, and how many people was At this that point, at we're talking point? like 35, 40 people. Oh, my God. One by okay. one, which... Oh my gosh. Once okay, same concept. So funny where like people can find so many different ways <laughs> to walk across the room and screaming. And of course, people's screaming voice will vary from person to person. Right. And so you oh have some people I, I wish I could emulate it without blowing out my microphone. <laughs> but you have certain people that are just doing like, you know, you have women that are doing the classic high shrill scream. Mm-hmm as they're walking across the room. But also remember, this is a big room. So it, take, <laughs> it takes somebody like like 15 to 20 seconds to walk across the room. And so pretty much nobody can do it in one breath. So, so there's like, there's a weird moment in the middle of their walk where they, they have to like tank up and then, <laughs> uh, and then start screaming again. So you have the classic like high pitch shrill scream and then you have like the men were actually terrifying because some of them it's like this very aggressive like i'm gonna murder you like some other ones like a very desperate like i'm going to get murdered type thing (laughs) i don't know why i related all of these screams to murder but that is where i was sitting at and the whole time, I'm also trying to keep myself composed because everybody else <laughs> is acting like this is completely normal. <laughs> like everybody in the room, when you hear somebody walk, hear and see somebody walk across the room with the most ridiculous scream, and like everybody's just straight faced, and I'm trying not to just bowl over laughing. <laughs> it was too good. If only I was thinking at that time, like one one day. One day I'll have an opera I podcast. Will t- I will use this. <laughs> we'll use this. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was too funny. Okay, so so everybody screams across the room, right? And then how many people get cut from that? Once again, it was halved, so we're oh, down okay. to like about twenty people, maybe a little bit, a little bit okay. less. Okay, right. <laughs> so, now we're getting to the creme de la creme. Right, the creme de la creme. <laughs> walking the, screamer. Right. <laughs> Walking screamers, right. The best walking screamers you've ever seen. The funny thing, too, is is also watching it and, and with the people that were kept, like, you would see, uh, at least in my own opinion, I'm not a director. I will never be a director. But I would see you somebody. That. Yeah, I guess, you know, you never know. <laughs> but I would see people, like, walk and scream. And, and I maybe just as, like, a, a singer, I would think, like, wow, that scream was actually impressive, like, Wow, that, mm-hmm. that that was an amazing lung capacity that they were able to do that scream for so long. And then that person would be kicked out. Like or I would be like, mm. Oh, that scream was terrifying. Like surely that person will make it through kicked out. Like it right. wow. I couldn't decipher a rhyme or reason. What is his criteria? I know, but but I can tell you there definitely was criteria. Like it okay. it was so methodical. It was just like somebody mm. like I don't know, like when you're at the grocery store and you're picking out produce and you're like, yep, this is the apple that I want. That's the apple that mm-hmm. I don't want. Right. 
so that that was entertaining and then still it got better so then with the <laughs> remaining 20 or so people in the room they all stand in a line there's no more walking there's no more screaming <laughs> but they go one by one to the people and and basically review some of the selections that these people have made on on what they are willing to do or not do so they were told ahead of time that in this opera uh some people would be required to be naked okay some people would be required to be on a horse and some people would be required to be naked on a horse (laughs) and so one by one they go through this line and basically, it's like, okay, so uh, you, you're you willing to be naked, but not on a horse. Uh, you would be on a horse, but not naked. You would be naked on a horse. You would be on a horse, not naked, like going through. And then, of course, once again, because people are trying to get a job, and they're like, oh, my God, I made it through the walking and then the walking and screaming. <laughs> like, I'm this close. There were a couple of people that were, you know, they'd be like, you know, I I didn't think I would be comfortable being naked, but but I think I'll I would be fine. I th- I think it's okay. I can on a be, horse, right? I can be naked, <laughs> right? Right? Or or yeah, I you know I wasn't gonna be okay with the horse, but but I think I can do the horse and and also naked. I can, I, I think I can do it. And so that was the last round, which also I I can't stress just how amusing it is in the moment, and I'm sure it factors in that like I was a college age person. <laughs> And so I'm hearing this and I'm just like, I cannot believe that this is happening. And once again, that everybody is so serious about it. This is hilarious. <laughs> and so then from that point, everybody was dismissed. Everybody, it was like, okay, we've, we have what we need to go off of. We'll get in contact with you to let you know what the results are. Thank you so much. Wow. Bye. So how many people did they need? Uh, I think it was like around 10-ish I never, I never got to see the opera. That was a terrible thing. Oh, no. So the opera went on stage uh, in the fall of 2013. Uh, I think it was in October. But I did see some of the promo video for it, mm-hmm. which was also really satisfying. So in the production meeting that took place before these uh, Supers auditions, at least 75% of the meeting was centered around talking about the need for extremely believable fake blood. Okay. And it was because people were going to be dipped into a vat (laughs) of this fake blood and then walk across the stage. And so sure enough, I found out that after the fact, when they had these promo videos out, that this is in fact what the people were doing as they're walking on stage naked doused covered in blood yes which when you think about it is terrifying like is terrifying absolutely terrifying to have somebody dunked in blood walking naked across the stage screaming at the top of their lungs (laughs) absolutely terrifying you know i haven't looked at this point whether or not there's like a a full video recording of this opera I don't know about that, but I did just find an image of somebody naked on a horse. Yes. In, that's like a press photo from the Barry Kosky Armida. So. Yes. So <laughs> as you're listening to this episode, if you're near a computer or a phone or later on, go to operaafterdark.com 
and find this episode and we will have even even better i found <laughs> there is a making of video oh god oh. And, and I found another press photo that is somebody naked on a horse, and then it looks like two naked supers walking across the stage. Oh, that's too good. As well, in the same photo. So, yes. Yes. Check go, it out, people. Go to operaafterdark.com, find the episode page. We will have photos, uh, <laughs> and the vi- I'm, I feel like there's a video. Oh, you said you found it on YouTube? I found a making of video. Okay, we're going to put it. We'll put it all on the website. Uh, we'll put as much as we can also on social media. Mm-hmm. So make sure you find Opera After Dark on Facebook, Instagram, because we will throw that ish up. And also, mm-hmm. a, oh, Kyle, are you, are you done the story? Is there more? Story? No, I was going to say that, my friends, is the Barry Kosky experience. I, so... <laughs> I have not seen Barry Kosky since. I don't know that I ever will. <laughs> but... He will always hold a very special place in my heart, as will the Dutch National Opera. So the first time Kyle told me this story, mm-hmm. I misheard the beginning of it. And right up until the part about being dipped in blood and walking naked across the stage, I thought he was talking about his own experience auditioning for Barry Kosky. Oh, God. <laughs> Wouldn't that so, be great? So I thought you were like walking across the room and then screaming. walking screaming and then had to like talk about whether you were willing to like be on a horse or be naked or be dipped in blood. Right. If only. I, I feel like I probably would have been dismissed after the first round. I would have walked and then they would have been like, nah, that guy doesn't. Well, also, I, I do think if I could pick out one uh, characteristic that he was looking for, I think he was looking for very thin people. Like people that looked mm-hmm. a little bit gaunt, like malnourished. Okay. Well, at, at least for some of maybe. them. I, at least for some of them. I don't know if maybe the people on the horse were supposed to be more athletic or something like that. I don't know, but some mm-hmm. of the people were particularly gaunt, mm-hmm. uh, and that <laughs> was not mm-hmm. and will never be me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't know that I would have made the cut, but this is a perfect time to ask the group. Given the scenario, if you were auditioning for Barry Kosky, mm-hmm. would you be willing to be naked on a horse or naked on a horse? Um, not naked, but I would be on a horse. I would also be willing to be on a horse, but I would not be willing to be naked in any scenario on stage. Sure. Yeah, I don't know if I would. Although, as I'm thinking about it in this moment... I feel like I would be more comfortable being naked on a horse than just purely naked. Why? Um, because if you're just like naked walking across stage, that that to me is like very vulnerable. But if you're on a horse, I don't know. There's you have like a sense of purpose. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, there's like a certain posture that you have to have when you're on a horse. Mm-hmm. That's true. Whereas if you're like if you're just standing there naked, like walking, that's like you. I don't know. Maybe it's also. I, I walk around all the time, so it would be odd to be on stage walking naked, but I'm not on a uh-huh. horse all the time, so at least there's, like, something else to occupy, like, mm. what you do with yourself <laughs> while you're naked. <laughs> a solid and, point. And on a horse. Well, it seems like from the photo that there's a little bit of body paint going on, mm-hmm. too. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. But some. And 
But even still, like, I just think perhaps I would not be the, the most marketable supernumerary. <laughs> hey, you never know. know. But perhaps. I would be willing to be on a horse, though, fully clothed. Fully clothed. You never yes. know when Barry Kosky is going to be in your neck of the woods and he's going to be looking going to come a calling. He's going to be looking for an uh, Italian Canadian musicologist mm-hmm. <laughs> that is just right for whatever opera production he's doing. And then I'll have to walk mm-hmm. across the stage screaming, <laughs> right? And, right. And that will be the end of that. Oh, it's just Very such a costly. nice memory. And I do I this is a, also a good time to give a shout out to our Dutch listeners. I, yeah. I would like to. Do we have Dutch listeners? Oh, I'm we, sure we, we do. We most definitely do. And what? Yeah, we do. And I would like to say publicly that what? the Dutch are <laughs> wonderful people. It, mm-hmm. it was so nice uh, spending time in Amsterdam. I had this wonderful welcome from the people at the company, but just in general. And mm-hmm. it's so nice as an American going there and of course, I don't know, or I'm not fluent in any other language. And so you go there and you ask people, you know, oh, do you speak English? And then after a while, you figure out everybody speaks English, but it's still polite to ask. And when you mm-hmm. ask a Dutch person, do you speak English? They will respond to you in perfect English. They'll say, oh, well, no, not really. I'm not very good, but but I'll definitely try. What, what can I help you with? <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. It's so, like, unassuming. In any case, really great people, yes. really tall people. That too? The tallest country in the world. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say that even though my husband was not born in the Netherlands, he is, uh, a, I guess he's the second generation of Dutch immigrants in Canada. So right. mm-hmm. he is tall and he is half Dutch. And he's great. He's, so he's he fits also, all your criteria, Kyle. Yeah, he's also very kind and smart Aww. and he important. Is kind of smart. And he does speak very good English. <laughs> <laughs> right, and better French than you. Yes, that's true. Oh, that's but a discussion. It's much for better an, French than me. Discussion oh. for another time. My French is horrible. Well, but anyhow, on that note. Yeah, thank you all for indulging me uh, and relaying my Barry Kosky experience. And Barry Kosky, if you're listening, give us a shout out. We'd love to have you in Opera After Dark. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be amazing. I thought you were going to say thanks for being you, Barry Kosky. <laughs> that too. And that too. Thank, thank you, you for being you. You're a wizard, Barry. Barry with an I-E. Oh, yes. right, with an I-E. Kosky with a Y. Yes. Yeah. Look him up. He mm-hmm. does some good stuff. All right. Well, thanks again. Be sure to look out uh, for future episodes of Opera After Dark. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at operaafterdark.com. And on Twitter. Twitter. And on Twitter. That's fair. We would love it if you could support the podcast by visiting operaafterdark.com slash Patreon. We really appreciate all of your support on that. And we'll see you next week. I'm Kyle. I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. Thanks for listening. Bye.